He's controversial. 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. He's outspoken. You will tell your kids and your grandkids and your great, great grandkids. And he tells it like it is. That you watched a great athlete named the franchise. And he was the greatest world heavyweight champion of all time. He is the franchise Shane Douglas. And you are listening to the Triple Threat Podcast. Prepare to get your ass franchised. Get it rolling right here and right now. This is the Triple Threat Podcast being brought to you today and powered on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad. And as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP John Paz. And as we record this in real time, there is still a wrestling event going on at the Meadowlands and at the MetLife Center as Hulk Hogan called it. <laughs> right now, it's still happening somewhere in the distance, so we're going to try to squeeze him in right now. And by the way, we're recording this on a Thursday night. He's the one and only franchise, Shane Douglas. Shane, I know WrestleMania is still going on in, in an alternate universe, but uh, it's good to have you on tonight. Well, I think we're just hitting the semi-main event about now, right? It's, uh, we still have a little ways to go. <laughs> Triple H is halfway hey, to the make- ring. <laughs> Yeah, but you want to make sure the fans get their money's worth because I guess if they're going by that thing, that WrestleMania will be going till next WrestleMania if they're going to give the fans their money's worth. <laughs> you know, it's funny. There's a website called Kayfabe News, and I don't know. I don't really ever click on it. I always see their links here and there, but they had one that said um, uh, fans uh, fans feeling gypped by WrestleMania duration. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it's, it was amazing because like, I don't know if I got a chance to tell you guys on a Sunday at the mark out of the Meadowlands, but I've been to every WrestleCon since the beginning. Uh, and, and you know how verbose I get at the table talking to the fans, right? So uh, I had never met, you know, everybody I'd spoken to at previous WrestleCons were there. Some said that they were there for WrestleCon, but were going to be going to WrestleMania and, uh, Etc. You know the, all the events surrounding the weekend. Uh, this past weekend at WrestleCon, I met 25 to 30. I didn't keep an accurate count, but it was at least 25 and maybe upwards of 30. Uh, they were from Italy, Germany, France, uh, England, Scotland, uh, uh, Japan, Australia, California and florida so these people traveled quite a ways to come there and when i asked them you know hey you know i'm gonna be excited to be going to wrestlemania and these 25 to 30 people all told me we're not going to wrestlemania we came for wrestlecon 
Now, put that in perspective. Uh, you guys fly from your homes to, say, Berlin or Tokyo, and the NFL's having their Super Bowl there that year, and you go to watch some, you know, like a local uh, uh, football game or sport, uh, sporting event, and then fly home without, without going to the NFL Super Bowl. It's unfathomable. And, you know, like we've been talking about how many times on this show, you know, the negative things that we're seeing, aside from the quality of the product, uh, the numbers, the TV ratings, the house show attendance, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now you have people flying halfway around the planet to come to WrestleCon and not going to WrestleMania. I don't know how you, I don't know how you can put a positive spin on that. That is a death blow to the WWE. Um, you know, we, we, WrestleMania is always going to draw, if not a sellout, a considerable house, and it will always do a certain number of a buy rate if they had broomsticks versus mops, which may be an improvement. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that is a, a stunning revelation from wrestling fans that have traveled halfway around the planet and are not going to that other show right down the road. Incredible. You felt it in the air on Sunday at Mark Out at the Meadowlands, and we'll uh, we'll kind of get your uh, you know your WrestleCon weekend uh, wrap up here, and to include you know the big show on Sunday, which you know was just we talked about it on our show earlier in the week on Two Man Power Trip. It was just it was a lot of fun. It was obviously it was a lot of guys. It was like almost it was kind of hard to navigate through who was in the building. It was getting crashed by uh, by by superstars left and right. I mean to turn around and to see Rikishi was standing there was uh that that was kind of a, a good feather in the cap of Mark out at the Meadowlands but sure. you could feel it in the air that it wasn't just a WrestleMania weekend that it really was wrestling weekend and you had the New Japan Ring of Honor show going on and you had countless amounts of independent shows and you had you know obviously the WrestleCon you had our show there was other tailgates going on there was some sort of change in the air to say the least yeah. and if you didn't think about it just from the fans perspective perspective you see from the guys perspective because it was almost like everybody had some place to be and i know you guys get multiple bookings during the WrestleMania WrestleCon weekend but it seemed like there were so many chances for guys to work or guys to appear that it was such a success in terms of wrestling over this past weekend that I think it's almost of historic proportions. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I think there were more shows running around WrestleCon uh, than in any previous year. Uh, somewhere, somebody had said it, I didn't keep tabula, you know, tabs on it, but I heard fans talking about 30 shows uh, that were in and around WrestleCon uh, in New York, New Jersey area. Uh, that's a that's a, an astounding number, and they wouldn't be having those shows if they weren't drawing people. Like you remember last year down in uh, uh, New Orleans, you know all those shows. You know the shows were starting at 1 a.m. midnight, 1 a.m. and were sold out. Uh, you know it, it, you can definitely feel that professional wrestling is taking its resurgence. Uh, sports entertainment, I'm not so sure about. Yeah, exactly. And then when you put your fans through the ringer of a seven and a half hour show, I think it was actually like seven hours, 25 minutes, if you really want to get uh, technical on it. But we're going to we'll talk about that a little bit here in a few minutes. But Shane, like just kind of recap that WrestleCon experience this weekend or this past weekend. You know, you were surrounded by all your old close friends from ECW, Francine, Mikey Whipwreck, Jerry Lynn, the Sandman, not to mention the countless other guys that were in and around 
every show and then over at our show on Sunday at Mark Out at the Meadowlands. Just a, a really cool collection of guests, guys like Bob Roop and Scott Casey and people you don't necessarily see all the time at conventions. So kind of wrap up uh, this weekend uh, in your franchise way. Well, you know, it, it was amazing to me because we were on the second floor. Uh, you know, there, I had heard there were, you know, some, some tables downstairs on the first floor. We were on the second floor and then there was a floor above us. Uh, you know, I hadn't, you know, a couple of times I'd walk away to try to go say hello and see who was there. And I'd within five minutes, I'd be called back to the table, uh, for fans that were waiting for pictures or autographs, whatever. Uh, but on the, the second day, about halfway through, I guess, you know, in the second half of the day, uh, Saturday, there, I, I finally did get upstairs. Mick Foley had sent word down, and so I went up and, to say hello to Mick. And what I was astounded by was the second floor that we were on was literally wall-to-wall fans. Uh, it was really difficult to move around through there because there were so many fans. Uh, when I went upstairs, that floor was as busy as our floor. I never made it down to the first floor, but I heard it was also uh, packed. You know, so kudos to the to the high spots guys. Uh, you know, WrestleCon success again. Uh, you know, the, we've already heard word that next year Vince is trying to do the same thing he did in San Francisco uh, several years ago, where he tried to buy up all the rooms in the uh, you know the hotels and, and like the venues in, in the area must love Vince. But, you know, newsflash, you're not going to be able to shut it down, Vince. It's, when you have people flying here from those countries I mentioned earlier, and 25 or 30 of them, you know, in a very informal uh, poll that I took, uh, it's pretty unlikely that you're going to be able to shut it down. Uh, so why not embrace it? You know, why not embrace it for the fans? It's not taking – there's nobody coming there and spending their money at WrestleCon and saying, well, i got – $10 left, I'll spend it here instead of there. Uh, the fans that are coming are coming to revel in the sport they love, uh, professional wrestling, and they're coming loaded to, to, to get all their autographs and pictures and memorabilia that they're looking for. Uh, so, it, you know, to me, it's, it's like the paranoid guy, you know, that, that's worried about his neighbor, like, stepping on his grass or something. Uh, <laughs> what the hell's the difference if you do or don't? Uh, you know, it, it really does seem to be like WrestleCon has gotten under Vince's skin, doesn't it? <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I say this to uh, to John and also our co-promoter Nick from Captain's Corner that uh, helped put Mark out at the Meadowlands together. Hey, John, there's only uh, one group that uh, has the guts to go against Vince McMahon in WrestleMania on, uh, on the morning of WrestleMania, right? There's only one little group. And that was us. We went head-to-head. We were the first people to say, not even WrestleCon wanted to go head-to-head on the day of WrestleMania for whatever reason. But we had the balls to do it. And, you know, it's funny about WrestleCon and Vince. The funny thing is that supposedly Vince doesn't like anybody else making money because it's his weekend is, is the the rumor that you always hear and the the stuff coming out of the, the high tower out there in uh, Connecticut. Yeah. Well, well, apparently, and again, it's... Uh... You know, the guy's a multi-billionaire, right, off the hard work. You know, to take that away from his hard work, but also from the hard work of all the wrestlers that created the product that he sold. Uh, and yet he begrudges all of them, all of us, 
from making a living. So now we're saying, hey, Vince, you know, the 10 cup outside of WrestleMania saying, hey, can I have some money, Vince? Uh, we're all working for it. And that, that that rent space in his head astounds me. Um, I would think on a WrestleMania weekend, you probably have a few other things to be concerned with, i.e. the quality of your show, perhaps. Uh, and you have to be worried about what's going on at that other venue down the, down the road there. Uh, tells you somebody's renting some serious space in Vince's head, and I love it. <laughs> I think the franchise is always in there somewhere, uh, taking up some uh, <laughs> some real estate. He closes his eyes and he sees that bright blue singlet, and he thinks, uh, "What what could have what could I have done with that bright blue singlet?" But you know, I don't think he realizes this, and he should. It's not just WrestleMania that wants has these cities wanting to bid on WrestleMania. It is that all these other events come into town, and the fact that you were set up in New York City from last Wednesday. And not getting home yep. until early this week. I mean, that's because of everything else going on in, in in the wrestling world that comes to the town. And I think when he sees the bids coming in from cities to to want WrestleMania next year, it'll be Tampa or or Jackson, whatever the hell it's going to be. It's going to be ta- or it's Tampa. Yeah, so it's going to be Tampa next year. It, it's going to be everything else that comes into that part of of the state of Florida that. All these people who bid on these shows, they that's what they want. They want this extra business. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh hey, you know, here's the crazy part about it. If Vince was really that concerned about Russell Kahn, and he very clearly is, uh, you know, you you start going out and trying to buy up all the rooms in an area to keep a show from happening, it's gonna happen anyway. It's very clear that it's driving him nuts. And and Here's the, the, the craziest part about this. He could shut WrestleCon down with a snap of his fingers and not cost him a dime as far as renting out buildings, that sort of thing. Why not just fold it all into the WrestleMania experience? After all, pretty much everybody that's in that room has worked for WWE at one time or another uh, or one of the companies that are folded under the WWE umbrella, like ECW. Uh, but to do that, you'd then have to hand a check to the Shane Douglases and the, you know, the uh, Sandmans and the Francines of the world. And he's just not going to do that. No. <laughs> so he'll drive himself crazy. Like the dog chasing his own tail, uh, because he's a damn Vincent man. I'm not going to pay those sons of bitches. Well, okay. Then we'll make the money down the road and get somebody else. I'm sure, uh, you know, the, the high spots guys walked away with a pretty nice chunk of change in their pocket. And, so Vince, let's put this in perspective. Next year, Vince is going to spend, I'm guessing, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to rent up a whole bunch of other rooms to try to stop something ostensibly from happening. It's going to happen anyway. And so, you know, who's who's smacking themselves in the face? What's that old saying? Cutting your nose off to spite your face? Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, if there's ever been an example that more personifies that it would be Vince McMahon and his, uh, uh, his fascination is, is insanity over WrestleCon. Uh, but I say, Hey, keep the ball rolling guys. Cause I, I love getting under a certain Irish man's skin. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I don't know if you noticed this and John will be able to kind of clarify this a little bit better for us. How about the fact that there was no Kenny Omega, there was no Cody Rhodes, and there was no Young Bucks this entire weekend, 
and think about the success that these shows were without these guys who were making this big splash with AEW, right, John? These guys weren't involved in anything going on over the uh, the wrestling weekend. No, and they said that they weren't going to be, and they kind of made a, a point that this was WWE's weekend, that they're going to have their own weekend, and I guess it's good that they're kind of making their own stand, saying that they're going to stay apart, and they're going to kind of make their own weekend. kind of almost makes it feel like a little bit of uh, Rebels, so to speak, and I think Shane might know a little bit about Rebels, I think, from maybe <laughs> that company that he wrestled for in the 90s. Uh, yeah, so I, I've 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 heard people talk about that kind of stuff. But I've never, never really sort of seen it myself. I, I don't know. I'm sort of like in the dark. I don't know what people are talking about when they say things like that. <laughs> 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 but I mean, so much to talk about, and we'll we'll cover the show. I mean, we <laughs> nobody really had the balls to sit and watch seven and a half hours. John did his best. Uh, I, I couldn't do it. I just, uh, I don't have it in me anymore. John got the highlights and we'll kind of pick his brain here in a little bit, but the talk of Mark out at the Meadowlands was what happened at the WWE hall of fame. And that was this yeah. fan attack on Bret Hart. Now there's some other things that have come out since. And when we were all kind of chatting about it that morning, there wasn't a lot of information. So we're four days past when we spoke about it last. And we've learned, you know, that this kid was an amateur MMA fighter uh, that mug, I believe that mug shot that I showed you was now apparently not the real mug shot. And oh, really? Yeah, the, I guess it was a little cleaner in terms of what it what it surfaced later on. Um, he was released on bail, so you know, there's there's some stuff that's kind of still brewing. But I think the big talk of it was okay. This guy did break the absolute rule that's on the back of his ticket, and he stormed the ring. But it's the fracas that it occurred afterwards when the guy was restrained yeah. that is the talk is dash yeah. wilder as the t- of the tag team the revival very clearly and this is 2019 folks there's cell phone cameras everywhere smash this right. kid right in the face and uh well, <laughs> it doesn't look good i mean let, let, yeah let's be clear the kid deserved everything he got oh absolutely uh, yeah you know b- back in the day you know johnny ace and i were wrestling the midnight express uh I want to say it was it wasn't Fort Bragg. It was in South Carolina. Those where uh, uh, oh god, I'm so, so bad with names anymore. It's where Brian uh, Armstrong uh, was stationed. Um, in fact, that was the first time I met Brian. Was when we were at their show. He was stationed there. Beautiful field house, but because it's for the grunts, right? Uh, in the military, there's no air conditioning. And this is like July, August, you know, early September. I forget the exact. I think once it was August, brutally hot outside, humid and hot. Well, the TV lights back then, you know, without the high-res cameras we have now. Uh, and so what they're doing to keep everybody cooled down is they're pouring beer down their gullets. And during our match, some guy, I'm sure you can probably find it online someplace, some guy comes running down and jumps the railing, very similar to this kid the other night. And goes to slide under the bottom rope. When he does, Bobby Eaton sees him, and he football punts him right in the face. And the the guy, like like in the cartoons, like when they got they melt down the stairs. That's exactly <laughs> what this guy did. <laughs> and you know, there was there was no fallout for for you know you don't come over that railing. And if you do, some of these guys that know how to handle themselves are going to take care of business that way. Uh, so that kid deserved anything and everything he got. But your point well taken, being 2019, uh, 
and cameras every place. Once somebody is restrained, uh, you know, you get pulled over by the cops and you throw a fit and try to play tough guy, they cuff you. Uh, those cops can't then beat the snot out of you while you're handcuffed. But we've seen video footage of that happening, right? Body cam footage and stuff. And those cops typically end up getting in trouble. At very least, uh, the person that got the shit beat out of them ends up getting a hell of a settlement from the city or the state. Uh, so as much as I despise my, hearing myself say this, this jackass is probably going to walk away with some kind of a payoff. Uh, and what that does is that sends a message to every other jerk-off out there, hey, maybe I can do it next year and get some money. You know, memo to the guys in the dressing room. First of all, great shot by the guys that got got their shots on this idiot. But just wait till you get them someplace where there ain't cameras. Uh, you know, you you just can't do that uh, in today's day. And, and you know, I'm from the old school saying, hey, this guy deserved everything he got, and you ought to be able to do that. You jump that rail, you want to play a tough guy. You ought to realize that, the, especially when you're you're jumping up on a guy that's in his sixties survived cancer, had a stroke. You know, you want to play tough guy, why don't you go jump on one of those big boys when they come out, you know, that are in their 20s and maybe early 30s and see what happens. Uh, and the other part of that, final part of that being, you know, he comes up behind Brett, right? My, I'd be willing to lay my last buck that if Brett had seen him coming early enough that he would have stretched that kid 10 ways to Sunday. Uh, but, you know, just a, just an incredibly stupid thing to do. Uh, you know, how many kids were there in the building? How many other people are watching this and want to hear the Hart Foundation being inducted? Uh, poor Natalie, you know, it looked at first like she was trying to keep Brett upright, and she ends up getting pulled down uh, with the, you know, with, with the melee. Uh, but the first question I have uh, preceding all of this is, how in the hell does this guy make it into the ring in the first place? You know, I, I know security can't be everywhere, but when as soon as you see somebody beginning to break over that railing, the security has got to be on them. Has got to be on them. Uh, you know, go back and look at Atlas and ECW. Those guys did a pretty damn good job of protecting us from those aberrant fans that were occasionally there. I can't imagine that a company like WWE with their resources couldn't have done a better job. Again, I understand that, you know, there's no foolproof way of sanitizing that kind of bullshit out. But to me, like when you watch the video and you see this guy coming over, uh, it would seem to me that as soon as you, you know, you're watching, you know, somebody's got to be watching the perimeter, right? And as soon as you see somebody start to lurch over that railing, they should have been on them. I mean, this is, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking now because it's happened. Uh, but, my God, you know, thank God all we're talking about is this guy pulling them down. Thank God this guy didn't have a knife. Thank God this guy didn't have a gun. Uh, something else is going to have done something horribly uh, off, the, off the scales. Uh, but... You know, note to WWE, make damn sure, you know, you better be having a little review of your of your security practices and procedures because that should never, ever be allowed to happen, ever. And like I said, it sickens me to say it, but I can't imagine that this guy isn't going to walk away with something 
if not from the WWE, from the people that, that are videoed, you know, beating him in the face as he's restrained. Uh, absolute bullshit. I mean, I, I was mortified. As soon as, I don't know how shortly after, but it wasn't, I'm guessing around like 9, 9.30, my phone started buzzing that night. It may have even been earlier. I, I was just in the room, not paying attention at the time, and my phone started buzzing that Brett had been attacked uh, from friends back here in Pittsburgh. And, you know, so I buzzed loose right away and, you know, he said, you know, confirmed it and said that, you know, that it had happened and that it wasn't long after that before the videos started surfacing. Uh, shocking. You know, it's hard to shock people that have been in the business as long as I've been in the business and seen the things that I've seen. But that shocks me. Uh, A, because it's the WWE. Uh, B, because it's at a pretty big event, the Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony. And C, again, where in God's name was fucking security? Let this guy even get that close to, enough to be able to touch the talent. Uh, astounding. It still, still boggles my mind. And one thing that bothered me is the way it was set up. They never did the Hall of Fame like that before, where they kind of had like a half-open ring, and the fans were basically right next to the ceremony. Usually it's the uh, wrestlers and the families and everything else that are right in front with the Hall of Fame, and the fans are all the way in the back where they would literally have to go through a sea of 100 wrestlers and their families in order to get next to the stage. The way it was set up was terrible, and I feel like that's on – WB security, if you're going to set it up like that, you better have somebody surrounding the ring, like or four guys surrounding the ring. It was terrible. Yeah, I, I never thought of that until you just said it, but you're right. You know, it's, every time I've seen the Hall of Fame in the past, uh, you know, there's been, you know, like the first, what, 10 rows or whatever, wrestlers and their families and uh, everybody's up on a stage. I, has it ever been done that way in the ring before? No, no, never. never. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it looked odd, and I didn't even like think about it until you just mentioned it. But well, I think that, how much you want to bet next year they're back to the old way. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and I was wow. thinking, like, if you're going to do it to somebody, who, you know, whatever reason this idiot fan did that, you're going to do it to somebody. You're going to do it to Bret Hart. I mean, like beloved Bret Hart, the, one of the best yeah. ever. Like, what the f- like? Do it to you know? I don't know. Not do a real. They don't do it to any of those guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. Of all guys, of all guys to do it to Bret Hart. I mean, come well, on. Like, H- HBK, HBK. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't gonna. Say he would. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Can I just interject for a second? He wouldn't see it coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah, No, all, all, all ribbon aside, we have, we have fun on the show here, but uh, do not do it to anybody. No, right. I mean, again, yeah, of course. Thank God this guy didn't have a knife uh, or or something worse, right? And we could be having a very different conversation right now um you know it's one thing to make light of it but you're right about brett you know i mean i brett is pretty much universally respected uh well liked by the boys uh and i and i I would dare say by most of the fans but you know the funny thing was and you know get back to the levity side of it uh when i first saw it it's hard to see because like the, the angle of the camera was so odd and it happened so fast uh, but it looked to me like Brett was instinctively trying to roll through with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and boy, how great would that have been if Brett had rolled through and then stretched this guy? You know, that would, <laughs> that would have been the greatest all-time video ever to be seen. 
and, and no doubt Brett could have done it. I, I think he was just shocked at the last second, you know, caught off guard like that. You know, I, I'm sure that, you know, Brett was thinking of, you know, 10 million other possibilities. That was probably number 10 million and one, you know, that a fan's going to come over the railing and do something just so damn stupid. Uh, you know, thank God that Brett didn't get seriously injured or Natalie. Uh, and again, what this kid got, he deserved every bit of it. And it sickens me to say it, but my guess is some slick lawyer is going to get him a payoff someplace. If not from the WWE, from the wrestlers, if not there, the venue, you watch. There's going to be a lawsuit that's going to drag everybody, probably the the, uh, uh, the security company for not stopping him. It's their fault because they didn't stop him. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a disgusting display of legal bullshit. Yeah, that's like the uh, the crazy part of all. He's like a nut job. He's going to go to jail, but then somehow or another, he's going to somehow end up making money off of it. It's sickening. Yeah, yeah, it is sickening, and I'd I'd be shocked if I'm wrong on that. Uh, because again, with, with with him being restrained that way, and you know, again, he deserved every bit of it. But my God, is it, you know, how how badly I wish we could get a time machine and go back to nineteen. 79 or 89 and let that kid get exactly what he deserved to get uh, and not get some kind of a payout from it. But, you know, let's hope that some judge or jury, if, if it ever gets that far, uh, listening to that case, you know, laughs this jackass right out of the courtroom. Let's hope. Now, when you were backstage for this event, what did, what did you think what was going on? Cause obviously you were there for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was waiting in the wings for my induction uh, ceremony that I, that I don't want. But you know, all, all, all kidding aside, uh, I, the one thing I was shocked at, and again, it takes a lot to shock with the WWE because you expect so little of them to begin with. Uh, but uh, you know, you're in New Jersey, right? And you know, the fans are clamoring for Bam Bam Bigelow to be inducted. Hmm. Uh, I, I just cannot understand why why they wouldn't uh, why they wouldn't have done that. I mean, very clearly, and this is not a plug for my pal or my buddy, but very clearly, Bam Bam Bigelow is worthy of Hall of Fame induction. Um, that they didn't do it there. Now you watch; they'll do it next year in Tampa or something. You know, it'll still be prestigious for you know if you view it that way. Uh, but you could have done it, you know, in his in his backyard. And Bam Bam, if if nobody else uh, was was so identifiable to New Jersey, and was so proud of of being from New Jersey, you know, the Asbury Park, and you know, spent his greetings from Asbury Park. Uh, you know, he wore that like a badge of honor. And I cannot imagine a better place uh, or more suitable place to have inducted him into the hall of fame than that. And, and when they didn't do it, uh, you know, it just makes you scratch your head. You know, when you see some of the people that, that do get inducted and then you see others that are very clearly worthy uh, of, of such a, an honor and, you know, don't get it. It just makes you scratch your head. It really does. So that's a huge missed opportunity because of the New Jersey connection. But have you ever heard of the WWE Hall of Fame legacy wing? 
No, I think I think he just makes this shit up as he goes. Like you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know. Let's see, we got to put somebody in there. So let's call this the, you know, I got, I'm waiting for the uh, the small pond wing or the uh, the minor league wing, uh, the blood and guts wing, the uh, the bingo hall wing. I'm waiting for that to come because. You know, that was those were the, the, the backhanded euphemisms that Vince always used when he would never <laughs> talk about ECW uh, whenever I was there. So uh, was, I don't know, Shane. That sounds like the Legacy Wing to me. So hey, so listen to this. So they created this Legacy Wing Award for whatever reason. <laughs> There's literally no rhyme or reason to doing this because essentially what he's doing is is you know we hear the stories of it's whoever Vince McMahon thinks of in the morning when they're ready to announce the uh, the Hall of Famers that the Hall of Famers are now Hall of Famers. So they take this group of guys and they literally I mean I'm sure they give their family something and they put a little graphic together and a little video. But if they're going to take the time to honor Certain guys, and you know, God, I love him. Brutus the Barber Beefcake. We see the video. We see Brutus come out. He has a strut, and he's got the scissors. You know, honky talk, man. Yeah. You know, we see the whole thing. So these are the ready for this. These are the names for the WWE Legacy Wing for 2019, who just basically get like a graphic and like a little something something. Uh, Bruiser Brody, okay, J- just the Legacy Wing inductee. Luna Vachon, SD Jones. Wahoo McDaniel, <laughs> Professor Toru Tanaka, okay, Joseph Cohen, who created Madison Square Garden Network, former WWF president uh, Hisashi Shinma, I don't want to botch the Japanese yeah. name, and Playboy Buddy Rose, who are just legacy wing inductees. No, no fanfare, no rhyme or reason. They're just they're in the WWE Hall of Fame now. That's it. Well, see, I, as many times I said I don't want to be in it, but. If I was gonna ever be in it, that's the way I want to be in. <laughs> that's Bruce how you're Brody getting in. And, <laughs> and Wahoo and, and, and these guys. I mean, holy hell! I mean, hey, let me see a uh, Snoop Dogg or, or or Wahoo McDaniel and Bruiser Brody and uh, <laughs> yeah, Buddy Rose. I mean, yeah. Let me see. Let me think now. Hmm, who would I rather be with? But it really doesn't matter anyway, right? Because it's not a real place. So it's. You're, I guess in the, in the in the Hall of Fame drawer at the WWE Titan Towers, you're like the, the the legacy wing is on the left side of the drawer, and the the main wing is on the right side of the drawer. It's, that's just that's unbelievable. It, yeah. So so again, please hand this over. First of all, make it a real place. I'm sure you can carve out a, a few feet of space in the Titan Towers somewhere. If nothing else, and you're too damn cheap to buy someplace. Uh, but you know, please hand this over to the fans and the writers and the other Hall of Fame inductees. Make it legitimate, for God's sakes. Uh, you know, because clearly, and I, you know, I make a lot of fun of the Hall of Fame, right? Because of my my disdain for Vince McMahon. But the people that are in there, the vast majority of them, you know, like the Rock and Roll Express that went in last year, you know, the, the Legion of Doom, you know, the Road Warriors. Yeah, you you can go down the list of the names of the people that are in there that that are certainly worthy of being in a Hall of Fame. <clears throat> so legitimize the damn thing. You know, it's like in my book, like I've said before, and I I honest to God stand behind this. I don't want shit handed to me from Vince McMahon. Not Hall of Fame, not you know, not a thing I want from that jackass. 
So why not legitimize it, make it a legitimate place, and allow the fans? You know, I mean, isn't today, you know, as we talk about business, it's always about, you know, being customer friendly and fan friendly, et cetera. Uh, does he not think that his fans are worthy of voting? Uh, certainly smart enough to vote. Uh, after all, the fans are the ones that should be who's in there and who's not in there. Uh, you know, the, the, the writers of our sport, uh, certainly the other Hall of Fame inductees. I would think, you know, somebody like uh, the Rock and Roll Express uh, uh, would have probably a, take a pretty serious approach to deciding on who they're going to vote for to being inducted into the, into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but then that would mean that Vincent McMahon needs to cede his authority to somebody, you know, what he decides. And with all due respect, everybody, and, and, and honestly, no disrespect meant to Vince. It's irrelevant coming from him in my book. Uh, but like I've said before in previous uh, uh, discussions about this, I don't want anything from Vince, and I wouldn't accept anything from Vince, but I would be honored to be in a, any Hall of Fame when the fans have voted you in there, when your peers have voted you in there, uh, when the people that write about our, our industry vote you in there. That would be a, 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 uh, a stamp of, of approval that I think any of us would be honored to receive. But to get, you know, to, to, to get a call tomorrow and say, oh, Shane, I've, I've decided to put you in the Hall of Fame next year. That doesn't, you know, my, my career has been validated by my work, by the fans' reaction to my work, not by Vince McMahon's money that he's made off my work uh, or hasn't made off my work. Uh, fans, thumbs up. Hall of Fame inductees, thumbs up. Even to a lesser degree, the people that write about our sport, thumbs up. I'd be honored to that. From Vince McMahon, two thumbs down, don't want it. You know, and John just kind of smartened me up to this. I didn't even realize it as I'm reading the list, but these are all guys that have passed away. And where that doesn't make sense to me is that on the main show, he inducted China as part of DX and, and Jim the Anvil Neidhart posthumously with the Hart Foundation. So what's the point then if you're separating the importance now of who's passed away and who's passed away. So one's more important to be on the main show. And the other one is just the, uh, the legacy wing graphic. It doesn't make any sense to me. It just, it's absolutely retarded or stupid. I don't mean to say the R uh, word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other, other than Vince McMahon decided, uh, for whatever reason, you know, bug up his ass. It has a hard on for certain people as we know, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> a big one. <laughs> uh, for the, yeah. For the certain people that rent a lot of space in his head, but again, that the very the very definition of what I just said sucks all the legitimacy out of whatever Hall of Fame he's attempting to make. Um, you know, it's, I, I'm so happy for the guys that do take their validation from that. Uh, last year, watching you know Ricky and Robert, uh, they were both thrilled and deservedly so. Uh, clearly the Rock and Roll Express deserves to be in any wrestling Hall of Fame. But, you know, like to me, like, as I, again, I, I don't mean to belabor the point. It just seems to me that, you know, okay, so Vince McMahon decided this year 
that you get in, but somebody like Bam Bam Bigelow or Dominic Taducci or the, the list goes on and on, right, of people that are not in there that should be. Um, what's the criteria? You know, it, 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 other than, like I said, Vince decided. Uh, what is the criteria? Is there a certain wins-loss column? Is there a certain how much money you've drawn? Is it, it, you know, again, what is the delineation other than Vince going, hmm, yep, yep, nope, yep, nope. Uh, it's, it's just so disjointed and so unscientific uh, that, like, to me, it, it's just, you know, for my, for my brothers and sisters that, that relish that, I'm, I'm happy for them and I'm proud of them. Uh, for me, it, it's meaningless, totally meaningless. He, they must see money in the Bam Bam induction at some point. That's why he wasn't just kind of lumped in with them. I don't understand how they don't put Chris Candido in then in that legacy group if they're in New Jersey. You know, if they're doing guys who passed away, obviously Chris Candido, when it comes to, to guys of his size, would be right there in the mix. Uh, like we had talked about a few weeks ago, Amen. right, right there in the mix. So it's kind of ridiculous. But before we kind of, uh, I want to get into the second part here of talking about WrestleMania, and we talked that it was long as hell, and we're not going to go through all the matches. But uh, JP, like a champ, like a champ, put on the shoulder pads and uh, ran <laughs> through a, a, a good portion of the show. And there are some things to talk about. You know, there's there's injuries coming out of the show. There's some potential botched finishes coming out of the show it was the women main eventing <laughs> but was it really the women main eventing i think it's kind of a rib that they were on when people were starting to leave the uh, the arena i think that that's sort of a vince mcmahon power play but john give us a little bit of a rundown of this uh, fiasco that was uh, this nine friggin day wrestlemania so it's <laughs> definitely way too long because if you watch the pre-show which i didn't it goes from five to seven so it's two hour pre-show rather than a one hour pre-show so it's already too long right there. I mean, the pre-show, that's just insane. Um, so then the, sh- real st- the real show, the real pay-per-view, WrestleMania, actually starts at 7. And reading into it, everyone was saying it's probably going to end at 12 or maybe even 12.30. So going into it, I'm already saying to myself, okay, I'm there to 12, whether the main event is on, whether it's going on or not. If you got to work the next day, you got plenty of shit to do. I'm watching until 12, and that's it. So it ended up being Lashley and Finn Balor ended up being the main event for me, even though that wasn't <laughs> the last match. The last match was the, the woman's three-way because it was just too long. I went to bed. I fell asleep. So I missed the quote-unquote main event. So I missed the actual botch finish that they had that kind of, I think, supersedes and ruins the fact that they had women main eventing WrestleMania for the first time in 35 years. Of course, they have the match, and it gets botched, and it gets ruined. So it kind of, to me, if you have a good match and the finish sucks, it kind of ruins the match. So I kind of throw that in there as well, just thinking that I saw the highlights the next day, and they botched it. So uh, I'm kind of glad I, I fell asleep when I did, because that would have been that would pissed me off. I would have stayed up extra for that. But moving on to the, the good parts. So you had... What I think was a good match, Shane McMahon versus Miz. Shane is 50 years old, and he's taking an insane bumps. I think he's nuts. <laughs> but uh, for my entertainment, I like it. I'll take it. That was a good match. Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston was probably the match of the night. Seth Rollins versus Lesnar was pretty good. And uh, Orton versus AJ was pretty good. Besides that, I was not really enthralled. I felt like the tag match was pretty good. 
just too many moving parts or too many just spots. Just throw it out there. The women's tag match was awful. Uh, like screw up fest, just not good. Um, what else? Oh, Triple H Batista was it was okay. I mean, to be honest, anytime you're in there with Triple H, and obviously Batista is an older guy, hasn't wrestled in three or four years, whatever it is, maybe four or five years. Triple H isn't the guy that can carry you, and he's not that good of a wrestler to begin with. So you're not really going to have a good match with him, even though I know Batista said he was happy with it. That match was not good. It was kind of uh, not hitting expectations. Uh, you had Cena coming out doing a little uh, Thugonomics promo, and the crowd didn't know his theme music, so he got no pop when he came out. <laughs> I, thought, thought, like, I thought that was like insane. I'm like, oh, my God, these fans don't remember this gimmick? Like, I guess they've only been watching for the last couple of years. They don't know. So, like, holy shit, they didn't know pop for Cena? And laughing to myself, like, they didn't recognize his theme music. I was like, oh, my God, terrible. Um so overall, I wouldn't say it was a terrible show. I just feel like it was a little too long. If you button it up, you tighten it up, you put it at three and a half hours, you cut some of that crap out, I think I would have probably ended up liking it. But really, uh, a couple matches stood out. Dana Bryan carrying Kofi Kingston, I thought was great. And um, I liked A.J. Orton. I liked the fact that Rollins beat Lesnar. Lesnar obviously is headed off to the UFC, so I felt like that was a uh, a pretty good match and a pretty good way to kind of get Rollins over. But besides that, there were some things that just kind of made the show seem t- too long and kind of went on forever. And like I said, I, I fell asleep. And I missed the main event. I mean, when, when, did, when is that supposed to happen? It's never supposed to happen. You're supposed to be, uh, you know, up alive and awake and into the main event, but not when it goes on at 12, 1230 at night. Well, you know, that, that's a, 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 a kudos to recap that, that, <laughs> God awful long marathon. Right? <laughs> but, uh, you get a clap for that one. <laughs> you know, a cu- couple points that I'm going to make. You know, in, in full disclosure, I didn't watch any of it. I I, I did see the clips afterwards. Uh, you know, so uh, I'm just speaking just from what that scant amount that I watched, maybe a total of 15 minutes. Uh, so they made a big deal about putting the women in the main event. And deservedly so, I think, you know, as the men's division has sort of been lackluster for the last year or two, uh, the women have seemed to really to reach out and certainly look to be very hungry. Uh, so getting that main event spot, but then to put them in the ring at midnight after seven hours of show, uh, boy, you're, you're setting that. That's a hell of a rib because Vince knows exactly what he's doing here. Um, you know, the, the crowd, it, even if the rest of the show had sucked or had been phenomenal, the crowd, any human being is going to be tired and bored after that long of a bore fest went on. So the energy level drops. You know, a live event is all about building the energy in the room. Uh, you know, in the typical uh, perfect show, uh, everything builds in an upward trend to the end of when that main event finally hits, the fans are climbing out of their skin to see it. And Vince knows that. So to put these, the, uh, 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 Becky and, and Charlotte and Rhonda on last like that, that was a clear fuck you to somebody from somebody, whether it was Vince, Hunter, whoever it was. Uh, but let's, let's just take a step back. Last year, when they had that long, ridiculous seven-hour marathon, the one criticism you heard more loudly than any of the quality of any of the matches 
was my god it was too long it was it got boring because i was ready to leave yeah i heard those comments everywhere from fans and online and so what do we do this year let's do the same thing but now this year you're going in with a lot less marquee matches than you had last year and by putting the women for the first time ever in the main event rule again i think deservedly so uh, with the way things have been going there in the last couple of years. But then you put them in there at, after midnight when the energy has been, so, what what energy there was from it just being WrestleMania had been totally sucked out of the room. Uh, it, as a performer, it's very, very difficult to get in front of a crowd that's dead because as live performers, we feed off that energy. And how many times have you heard me talk about that in the ECW arena? You know, you could be have the worst flu, be hung over, be dragged ass, and you'd step through that curtain, and it was like somebody plugged into the 220 outlet, you know, because of the energy from the fans. So on every level, this was unfair to to Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda, uh, to, and to the fans to make them wait that long. And, you know, for the first time, you know, in, in, in WrestleMania history, you have women marquee, uh, the women main eventing uh, WrestleMania, and you set it up for failure uh, on paper. Anybody that understands this industry would, would see that and call that out and say, well, wait a second, this is a bad idea. And like I've said before, and I'm really beginning to second guess myself when I keep on saying, you know, I can tell all the reasons. How many times have you heard me say, you know, I, I wouldn't call Vince stupid. Uh, I'd call him a lot of other things, but I wouldn't call him stupid. I'm really beginning to second guess that now because as you look at that on paper, it looks abysmal on paper. And I could have, not that I'm some brainiac or anything, I could have looked at that on paper and said, these girls are going to be fucked when they go out there because the crowd after seven hours is going to be dead. Uh, everybody's figuring at that point, midnight, they're thinking, uh, maybe we ought to start working towards the exit because try to beat the crowd. Uh, you know, the kids are, you know, I'm sure a lot of kids in the building, uh, the parents are thinking about getting them home and getting them in bed, et cetera. It, th that was an abysmal way to set up for the first time they ever put women uh, in the main event spot. It, it wasn't fair to those guys at all. Yeah, it was just, I don't know, to me even it's, you're putting a show on that's basically seven hours and at the seven hour mark is when you're putting on the main event. I feel like I remember they did that last year too. We were very close to the seven hour mark to put it to the main event. It's like, okay, how do you think the crowds are going to react? How do you think the, you know, the fans are going to feel about, wow, you know, I'm exhausted. Let's you know, hopefully it's over by now. Nope. Main event time and the main event's going to go 30 minutes. So it's like, Oh my God. You know, plus the entrances yep. and everything else is going to be a long, long night. So you know the crowd is not going to be uh, enthused at all at that point. They're basically going to be half dead because you figure NXT Friday, the, the Hall of Fame, WrestleCon, Access, then WrestleMania. I mean, they're, they're, they're exhausted at this point. Well, I, I would dare say that well more than half of that crowd, if not 80 90% of that crowd, if not all the crowd, had probably been going to multiple events that weekend. Um, one of the 30 shows that we had talked about, WrestleCon, Mark out at the uh, Meadowlands, all the things that were going on, those fans had, had, had already put in a shitload of time that weekend. 
on again on paper you know think of the greatest movie you've ever watched think of the greatest sporting event you've ever watched nobody wants to see seven hours of that on any level but then you look at the show itself like i as i glanced down through the the recap that you sent over uh you put the universal championship match on first Mm -hmm. uh so what what exactly is supposed to build the energy in this show so we put the you know you know the brock lesnar belt we'll call it um we're going to put that on first. It's going to go real quick and real short. Um, and then you're going to put other less marquee names out there after that. It's, it's like, it's like a roller coaster. You know, you can see that, okay, we're going to start here. Then we're going to go here down. Then we're going to come up to here, then back up and then back down. Instead of this slow, steady sweep that a, that a, a live event of any kind is supposed to utilize and, and just clearly didn't do that for some reason. And, uh, again, I can't think on what planet and what alternate reality anybody sees a seven-hour show of anything as being uh, worthwhile and exciting. And Heyman came out and said that Lesnar said, obviously, yeah, he's in work form and in working speak. He said, uh, oh, uh, Lesnar said if he's not the main event, uh, he wants to get the hell out of here, so let's get this over with now. I almost think that that's legit. He's you, you can't see Lesnar wanting to stay there all night. Like, oh yeah, I'll stay. I'll, stay. I'll be the main event. I'll work till midnight. Yeah, sure. sure. Especially since he did I mean, it the year before. He did. I was thinking myself, there's no way he wants to do that again. Yeah, you, and you can't blame him, right? I mean, get there. You know, you're going to go on first, and you know the crowd's really excited and. WrestleMania, and you're going to get all that easy built-in pop right just from that. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Paul probably had a hand in that, and you know, again, and showing his, his understanding of the industry, uh, you know, and placement. But again, if I'm the boss, I'm not putting my Universal title up first. Uh, we're going to build to that. Um, but you know, even even had you put it later. Again, with seven hours, there's just no way to maintain that level of excitement and that level of energy in a room. It's going to dissipate, and for all the reasons you just said, the fans are being tired. Uh, hell, if they've been sleeping for a week, uh, <laughs> going in there and sitting there for seven hours is going to be long, boring at points, and have everybody looking at their watch saying, when the hell can we get out of here, right? Again, that was just a major clusterfuck to the women, and they didn't deserve it. Definitely not good. And then you just throw in the fact that the finish got botched, and and that just added to it, just uh, kind of put a damper on, on that whole moment, whether they know it or not, whether they want it to happen or not, but um, definitely put a whole damper on that. And as far as a, a Dean Douglas grade so to speak for the show i guess i would probably give it a, a c um and obviously shane i know you didn't see it won't see it and, and you're not going to see any clips so i'll do the honor and i'll give the dean douglas grade of probably a c <laughs> and i'll say that uh, daniel bryan uh kofi kingston was probably the the match of the night but the only takeaway from it which i think is funny is they brought down this um basically uh, table and they covered it with a black um, apron almost so to speak over the table 
and and then they had a box um, and you didn't know what it was for, for the Kofi Kingston match except for the fans saw that they brought down a different belt they saw them cover the the belt with the apron which was the because Daniel Bryan has his belt made of hemp and wood and this was the actual title and then people said that they saw on WWE shop that they were selling shirts and Big E brought, <laughs> brought literally a half hour before their match that Kofi was the new champ. Come on. I swear to God. So they had a box at ringside. Um, Big E had a box. And, and to me, I was like, oh, what is that, a box of shirts or whatever? So you put two and two together. Kofi is online. Somebody screwed up somewhere. I don't know if they did the timing or whatever, but I would probably fire that internet guy because it was revealed that um, the, <laughs> that uh, the, the title had changed hands online before it happened. And then people in the arena were saying, and a buddy of mine was saying, "Oh, I just saw a new title belt um, that they just hit under, a, a, you know, on the table right by ringside." So I was like, "Wow, I wonder if Daniel Bryan's losing." Hmm. Kind of figured he was anyway, well, but that's funny that they blew it like that. Because because there, there's no way in the world today's wrestling fans that live and die on the internet would ever possibly pick that up, right? I mean, they <laughs> missed that one by a, by a country mile. I mean. It, you know, this is like the Keystone Cops running a WrestleMania. Um, on every level, the length of it, the the, the, the positioning of the matches. Uh, you know, I'll say this about the girls. Uh, and I did watch uh, probably five or six minutes of clips from that match. And there were a lot of bought spots from, you know, from what I could see from those clips. Again, full disclosure, I didn't watch the whole match. But uh, to be fair to them, you know, understanding from from a veteran's perspective, uh, you know, when you get into the ring, you know, every, there's nobody going out there and saying, hey, let's botch up a spot, right? That, that's just not even, uh, you know, imaginable. But when you go out there and the crowd is dead, you're, you're working your ass off overtime to try to get the crowd back up. And that's when you start to try to work a little bit harder, faster, work, a, put a little bit too much into stuff, where your timing starts to fall off and you start to lose the rhythm and the flow. Uh, so I'm not making excuses for the girls, but it, it, it's completely understandable. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in that spot. You know, the crowd dead after seven hours and, and you're the main event. And, and for them, they know that this is the first time that women have main evented WrestleMania. So I'm sure there was a ton of self-placed pressure with that. Uh, to live up to that and, and uh, you know, to, to make everybody proud of, of to, to make everybody feel like the, like the women deserve to be in that main event spot. And so the girls, I'm sure, were working their asses off overtime to try to deliver. Uh, but, you know, when a crowd gets dead to that point after seven hours, they're dead. And, you know, the, the zap battles won't bring them back. Um you know, again, it's just these are things that I, I know Vince McMahon must know. I, I just can't figure out why. Why seven hours for any show? Okay, you could say, well, he wants to squeeze all the you know, more people on. Okay, well, that's all good and fine, but uh, how about have a you know a, a pre WrestleMania show the night before uh, or something? But seven hours of anything. I've never watched anything in my life, uh, you know, the, my favorite movies of all time, television shows of all time, uh, whatever. I don't want to watch seven hours of The Sopranos, not at once. Uh, 
I don't want to watch seven hours of Mad Men. I don't want to watch seven hours of Kiss. Uh, you know, it, it's just a really, really dumb idea from the outgo, uh, from the outset. And you can see how that plays out in real time. In, in reality, what happens? And you know, again, you know, uh, Rhonda and Becky and, and Charlotte were just put in a very unenviable position, and it should not reflect on them. Uh, as the first women's main event for WrestleMania. Now, Shane, as we kind of wrap up this episode, and as Chad says, put a nice little bow on it, inside baseball here, I always try to get Chad his real, true feelings. Like he told me, Raven, he really liked better than you to say a wrestler. Also found, <laughs> also found out this week, he actually said Taz was a better champion than you and a better wrestler. So just want to throw that out there. Wow. But I'm, but I am taller and better looking, though. <laughs> you better. That's indisputable. So T- taller than me or Taz? Who are you talking about? <laughs> both of you combined. Oh Jesus! I could. I don't know. I could. I could stand on Taz's shoulders or either way. But hey, nobody. Nobody will know who I voted for in that poll that you ran away with. Uh, let's not forget that the reigning uh, all-time champion of ECW. Uh, the franchise Shane Douglas, but Shane, before we uh, we get into the old plug Roonies and wrap it up, uh, I had a friend who was attending WrestleMania, and this is just kind of looking at how long it took for everybody to get back and forth in this place. He left his house, got on a train at three thirty in the afternoon. Okay, because of all the transit issues that were happening outside of MetLife with Ubers falling over each other to get there, and New Jersey Transit having delays and you know, essentially 80,000 people feeding out at one time. He did not get back to his house in central New Jersey, which is it was very, very uh, easy to get to via the transit they had set up until 3.30 in the morning. So 12 hours to attend WrestleMania. Good God. I mean, you know, if that happened to me, first of all, it wouldn't because I had made damn sure I wasn't there in the first place. But if that would happen to me, I would damn sure not be back next year. Uh, you know, that that's just ridic- ridiculously absurd. Now, if it happened to him, it also happened, like, you know, take a look at that video and watch and see how many families were there with young kids. Now, imagine you got young daughters. Imagine, you know, after seven hours of, of sitting and watching stuff, now having to get in the car, on the train, whatever, and fight traffic to get home. And it being a 12-hour day, that's that's onerous. I mean, that's just uh, just incredibly onerous. And wow, I mean, I, again, I know that Vince Man, looking at this on paper, has to see just the awful outcome that's gonna that's gonna be inherent in in a seven-hour show. It's just you know, it's you could put Elvis Presley and Michael uh, uh, Jackson in their comeback because we all know they're still alive someplace uh mm-hmm. you could put them out there and nobody wants to see them for seven hours it's it's just a shit show from the start and like i said just in in my glancing at the mat list of matches it, it didn't seem to have like wrestlemania's in the past the one thing that always seemed to stand out was that there were these uh, this incredible roster of matches right the storyline blow-offs and, and build-ups of angles, et cetera, that, that just didn't seem to be uh, uh, present in this WrestleMania. And, 
you know, so again, you know, seven hours show, shit idea, horrible idea, two years in a row now. Please make next year's three hours. Three hours is a, a great pay-per-view. Uh, delivers should be able to deliver if you're if you're any good at writing and understanding this industry. Gives you plenty of time to do everything that you need to do. Uh, if you want to have a pre-show and, and get some more of your talent on there, or a, a show the night before, whatever, Hall of Fame show, whatever you want to do. But seven hours is ridiculous, and I'm on record with that. I said it last year. I'm going to say it again this year, which is probably why next year is going to be nine hours. Because <laughs> Vince is going to do it just to fuck with the franchise, as Rick Rube would say. Yeah, there you go. It's uh, That's a great one. <laughs> It's uh He'll yeah. show me. <laughs> It'll literally be WrestleMania Day uh coming up sooner or later or you know, hell, if he was smart, he would just break it up into two days and then you would really be eating into all those other events going on. But you know, I don't want to give him any right. free free ideas because I know he's listening, so I don't want to give anybody any free ideas at all. And let's wrap it up here nice in a little bow, just like uh JP said, I'd say it was a hell of a week, so now here's what we're going to do. We're going to be uh, taking one little week off from the Triple Threat podcast, so we'll be, we'll be back in two weeks with uh, episode... Uh, hey, hey, <laughs> I will take the heat. I'll take the heat for that one. It's all right. I'm fine. I'm a heat seeker. It's all good. So episode 90 will be released in two weeks. The franchise will be nice and rested. He'll be able to uh, kind of put his feet up and uh, ponder what the ti- the topic and the title will be for episode number 90, as we will do the same. So uh, we want to thank everybody again for coming out to see us this past weekend. Anybody who met Shane and shared a picture online or anybody who came out to mark out at the Meadowlands, sincerest thanks and please, if you're going to be uh, heading to the Richmond, Virginia area, do so on May 18th for the big TMPT Con 3, the 35th anniversary of the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette featuring a nice little first time ever appearance of the franchise, Shane Douglas and Francine together in Richmond. It's uh, slowly but surely coming. We're about five weeks away as we talk about it right now, and we will be talking about it a lot going forward. So strap in and go over to our website, which is tmptfwrestling.com. You'll get ticket information, get to see the full guest of attendees and all that other good stuff. So, uh, yeah, hit us up on Twitter at the franchise SD, at Two Man Power Trip, at Wrestling Pal, and at the Three Threat Pod. Get your franchise Shane Douglas t shirts over at ProWrestlingTees.com. I wore mine today, and a five year old thought I was wearing a Superman shirt. So it looks like the, uh, <laughs> the franchise branding is doing its job. Good thing he didn't see the back of it. And, uh, yeah, Shane, so you got a big weekend coming up, a big Friday night, a big show. Tell us all about it. You got a lot of great friends coming to Pittsburgh, and you'll get to see them on your own turf. Yeah, I do. Uh, big time wrestling tomorrow night. Uh, and, and got a little announcement to make here. I, I, I leaked it out on Twitter earlier. But uh, uh, tomorrow night down at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center, it's been ooh, 24 years, I think, since I've wrestled in that building downtown Pittsburgh. Uh, it's my first appearance in Pittsburgh in, in some time, uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, uh, of course, Gangrel will be there. Uh, Scott Steiner will be there. The Sandman ECW alumni will be there. Uh, the franchise will be there. Uh, the, the entire big time wrestling, uh, roster, and they've got a really great roster. 
Uh, they always put on great shows, uh, draw big houses. Uh, but uh, added tonight was a uh, uh, rest, true wrestling legend, uh, alumni from the old studio wrestling days on WIIC, uh, Channel 11 in Pittsburgh. Dominic DiNucci will be there making his first uh, wrestling show appearance uh, in the Berg. Uh, going to be taking pictures and meeting with the fans. And uh, uh, at 5 o'clock tomorrow, we're going to be doing like a, a, a Q&A panel. Uh, and Dominic will be there for that as well. So for all of us that grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, weaned on studio wrestling with Bruno and Dominic and Haystacks Calhoun and Bill Cardell and uh, you know, all the rest, uh, the old, like I said in the uh, Twitter uh, the old uh, advertisement always was during the commercial breaks, who can American, American heating and plumbing with Nellie King, uh, the old uh, Pittsburgh Pirates uh, announcer. But Dominic Tanucci will also be there tomorrow. So it's going to be a great night in Pittsburgh. Uh, really looking forward to it again, getting back into the David Lawrence Convention Center. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow night. Don't miss it because you know, Dominic uh, doesn't make a lot of appearances like that. So this will be a great chance for Pittsburgh wrestling fans, like I said, born and weaned and raised on studio wrestling to, to meet one of the last surviving members of that uh, incredible uh, group of talent. So Dominic will be there and uh, watching a great show and looking forward to it. And then Saturday, I'm going to be in, Pitt, in Pottstown uh, for the 39th anniversary show for, for, for Worldwide Wrestling Alliance. Uh, show going to be their Battle of the Shane. Shane I'm going to be wrestling Shane Tanner and seeing this guy is jacked. Uh, so we're going to be having a, a pretty busy weekend and looking forward to it. And uh, please give our best to Dominic. And uh, if you see Scott Steiner, tell him that Randy Helm says his mother wears combat boots. So there you go. We can uh, <laughs> pass that along for uh, for us from uh, our good friend Randy Helms. Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> oh and I, I knew I, I knew I forgot somebody as you were saying that. Uh, Road Warrior Animal will also be there tomorrow for Pittsburgh. So oh, okay. Gangrel, Scott Steiner, Animal, Sandman. The franchise, Dominic Danucci, and the entire big time uh, wrestling roster. So gonna be even bigger night than I just mentioned. Look at that! Oh, what a rush! All right, Shane, it's been a great show. Episode <laughs> number eighty-nine. We will see you in two weeks with episode number ninety. So uh, take us out in only the way. Oh wait, you know what? Before I do that, also everybody, if you haven't seen it yet, go to YouTube, check out Devin Hannibal Nicholson and the Hannibal TV's interview with Shane. It's about 12 minutes. It's awesome. Uh, it's very rapid fire. He throws a lot of stuff at Shane. And last time I checked, it had like 50,000 views. So if you haven't seen it yet, go out and check it out. So now Shane, you can take it out in only the way the franchise can. Well, in just saying, I just want to put a little plug there also. Devin, uh, Hannibal, you know, he, he gets millions of views online, right? Uh, and deservedly so. The reason being, he always does his homework. Uh, he always has great questions, insightful questions. Uh, and, and he really gets a lot more. You know, I mean, how many times have you heard me, you know, somebody say, you really don't like Ric Flair, is that real? And, you know, what do you think of this guy or that guy? You've heard me answer those questions a million times. Devin Hannibal always has great questions and really comes prepared. And it's always when I, I saw him coming walking over the table the other day, I got excited because I, I I know he's you know, going to make me challenge my my chair rattled brain. Uh, and and I love that you know to shake some of those cobwebs loose. So yeah, yeah, if you get a chance to check it out online on Hannibal TV uh, and see the franchise and a lot Jim Ross a lot of uh, 
uh, Butch Reed. I mean, he he went around the room and got everybody. So a lot of great stuff from from uh, Devin Hannibal on Hannibal TV. But episode eighty nine under the uh, water under the bridge. I won't keep this seven and a half hours long. I swear. Make sure you tune in. Take a break off next week and tune in the week after for episode ninety. Because if you don't. You'll get your ass franchised. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.